All right. Hey, there we go. So, you know, the last time I led, it was one of the discernments. I haven't preached in like six weeks or something. So I've got a lot that I'm ready to shoot out of the cannon right now, y'all. We're ready to go. I'm just kidding. I mean, not kind of. Yes, sort of. I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid this morning because, you know, when you have six weeks of noodling in John's mind, Lord knows what's going to come out. And my preference, Larissa knows in a special way, she's shaking her head. My preference is that it comes out in something that's coherent. And uh, but you never know what's going to happen. So <laughs> we are, you don't need to turn there right now. We are going to be in 1 Corinthians a little bit today, as Greg was. Actually, have been thinking about something the last probably month or so, and then hearing Greg's sermon on the cruciform life, and then followed up by John's discussion on, with a little help from my friends, just, you know, John chose that song. You know what that song's about, right? Do I not need to... I was... <laughs> I'm just... Sorry, should I not point that out in church? <laughs> My buddy Travis is here today, so I'm pretty excited about excited about preaching in front of him. He hadn't yeah. been in a minute. Okay, so what if... <clears throat> <laughs> oh, really? She didn't know? Yeah? Sorry, there's people that are getting revelations of things <clears throat> in the front left side of the auditorium. All right, so uh, this, so what I've been thinking about, what I've been noodling on is, in the back of my mind, we've been going, for those, anyone who doesn't know, on a series on discernment. Um, and so I've been thinking to myself, I've, I think a lot of people, um, and I've, including myself, multiple times in my life, have asked the question, what am, what's my role? What am I supposed to do? Um, whether you are fresh into the kingdom and go, wow, what do I do now? What does God want me to do? Or whether you've been a believer for some time and then you have those seasons or those times in your life where you go, am I on the right track here? Uh, you know, anybody? Am I the only one that does that? No, okay. Yeah. I mean, you get to be my age, you know, 40 now, and you start going, uh what have you been doing with yourself, you know? <laughs> like, what's going on? Um, there may be some of us who get into the retirement mode and go, am I, am I on the right path? So I think it's a very valid question. And I think it fits right in line with the whole discernment process. For some of us, it can be like that, that kind of more grandiose, like, what am I doing with my life? For some, it may be even in this, in this Stones River community, what's my role? We've got... Uh, inner city going on, got the yard happening over there. We have, you know, children and kids and uh, youth ministries and different things. And do I have a role? What is my role? I don't feel like I have a role. Maybe I do have a role. Yeah, you know, anyone ever have those questions or those thoughts? Maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. I don't, hopefully not. I hope whenever we, I hope today that I can help us help you all through my uh, mistakes and problems and challenges that I've had. Because uh, I can say that I've probably made a lot of them along the path. Uh, maybe be able to help in that discernment process. Because I do think that that is, it is an important question. Um, 
but I'll, I'll leave it for there for now because there's some things I could say. I, I, I show this first picture here because I believe oftentimes when we approach the question of what, what, what is my role, I think I titled this, what is my role in God's story or what, what's my role in the body of Christ, whatever you want to say, that oftentimes maybe unbeknownst to us or without, yeah, without knowing, we approach this very isolated. Has anyone ever felt like that? Like, there's almost a heavy burden of I need to figure out what God has called me to do or what I have to do in my life. And we're just kind of out there and we're feeling this overwhelmed feeling for us sometimes. Sometimes that overwhelmness causes us to kick the can down the road a lot, right? Sometimes it paralyzes us out of fear, like what if I pick the wrong thing? This is actually one of the, the reasons, and this has been on my mind, is when I was doing the bread full time, uh, I met with a lot of college students. Dean, you can probably understand this. That had, some of them had just freshly decided to follow the Lord and come into his kingdom. And can you imagine, remember, like being in college, you're going down this career path, you're doing this, all of a sudden you get hit with Jesus and his kingdom and you're like, what do I do now, right? Like, I don't know. Do I keep going down that path? Do I move to another path? And like an overwhelming since there's some who have been in the church for a long time but maybe they just kind of caught fire or whatever you want to call it like they're going to take their faith more seriously and they're now going well what do i do and trying to bring counsel to a lot of them there's many that are truly paralyzed i don't know if you experience this dean but they just it's just like this overwhelming sense of like i better get this right i need to get this right or my life is going to be off the tracks. Maybe like Jonah, God's going to smack me back on if I don't get it right. I don't, I don't know if anyone's felt like that, but I, I get that. And there's other folks that I uh, had a chance to talk to that would feel very clearly, God, oh, he's called me to this. And, and you're like, all right, all right, all right, brother or sister. And then three months later, he's called him to another thing. And then three months later, they've been called to something else. And while I commend them trying to listen and discern what God is calling them to, doing it on an island and kind of isolated can lead to that. So what do we do, right? Like, what do we do in this? Has anyone felt either way? Has anyone felt paralyzed? Has anyone felt confused? Has anyone felt like, well, I'm heading this direction, but now I'm not sure. Maybe God wants me to go here. I'm not really sure that, but maybe I should go there. Maybe you can relate to some of the students. I surely can. Plenty of times that I've been wondering if I'm on the right path, if I'm getting it right. I've felt overwhelmed before. I've kicked the can down the road a few times before. Uh, if you want to go to the next... Oh, wait, never mind. I'm supposed to have the slides myself, aren't I? Oh, boy. I didn't set my slides up. 655312. Someone could get on and mess around with me right now if they know where to go. I know. Ah, there we go. A few things uh, before we get into 1 Corinthians that I hope, again, this is where I hope that my thoughts become coherent. Um, I want to bring up thinking of the person on the dock or the person isolated. Again, I hope, well, maybe I, I hope that some of y'all can relate to that. Maybe I don't hope that you can, but I assume that many of you can relate to that feeling. God, what do I do? How, do, how did we get here? 
Um, and I think that there are a lot of factors, because I don't believe that that isolated, as we're going to see, approach to trying to hear from God's voice about a specific calling or vocation in our lives and trying to discern that is the approach laid out for us um, in, scriptures, in Scripture. So I'm going to noodle on a couple things that I know there are plenty of other factors. Uh, and one being, uh, I've been reading this book that Mr. Ben Austin has thrown my way called The King Jesus Gospel. Has anyone read that? I know Ben has, yeah. I know Greg's read it or some of it or something. When it had a forward by N.T. Wright and Dallas Willard, I was immediately interested on that one. <laughs> it is a good book. I would recommend giving it a, giving it a read. I, uh, it has reminded me of a great many things, and it has caused me to go, hmm, I never thought of it that way before on several things. And the general premise of the book is him wrestling with the way that we have proclaimed the gospel, the way that we preach the gospel, proclaim it, uh, particularly here in America. And I know I've said this before, taught on this a little bit before, but it, it basically goes, does anyone want anyone want to say what the, how the gospel goes, how we preach it? Anyone want to throw out? No? You may. Okay, Jesus came, he died, he rose again, yeah. How we tell it. Yeah. Jesus died to save you from your sins for you can, so you can go to heaven forever, right? right. So that's it. It is, it is that you are a sinner, we're all sinners, we've all fallen short, um, but someone loves you, he cares for you, he died for you, he would die for you if it was just you, Greg. There's one person, he would die for you. Uh, if you believe in him then, and you believe in his death and resurrection, as Georgia said, then you will uh, be washed clean and go to heaven whenever you die. And while there is some truth to that gospel, it's a part of a much larger story, a much larger gospel. And that type of a gospel that we tell is hyper-individualized. Do you hear like the way that we're talking, you and God died for you and he would only die for you and you can go this and you can do that. And I worry that that, at, that brings that hyper-individualism into the next steps in our faith because we have been approached with that. You can go to the next slide. Really quickly, I'm going to remind us. Oh, why do I keep saying that? Because I'm so used to that. I'm so used to not moving my own slides. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, I'm reminded of things, though, when we talk about the gospel that Jesus resurrected on the road to Emmaus. How does he teach or share what's happened? Where does he start with these two men? Do you all know? With Moses and the prophets. He doesn't say, I died for you. You can be forgiven. He goes back to the Old Testament and begins to talk about, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he, where he approached in Moses. I don't know if he started in the garden and used that as Torah or went to the Exodus and talked about God rescuing them out. But he goes back. He's saying that what has happened in the resurrection is a part of a bigger story. Whenever Peter, during the day of Pentecost, they're filled with the Spirit, and he preaches in front of a bunch of people. He starts off by bringing up a prophet named Joel, right? 
He talks in the message about Jesus, of course, but he talks about David. Like, my point being that this gospel that is taught, that we see in Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, or proclaiming the kingdom, the gospel that we see Peter and Paul and many people sharing, um, was a gospel that was part of a much larger story than just something that's hyper-individualized. When we approach discernment and asking what our role is, I think it is vitally important that we recognize that there is being, there has been a story that God has been telling for thousands of years. And I think so much of the time, uh, the proverbial, we can't see the forest for the trees, that we get hyper-focused on me and what I'm supposed to do and what I need to do, that it would behoove us to take a step back and us to go, okay, what is God? Do I like that on Sunday mornings and Sunday school? You're asking, what is the church? What does the church do? Like, these are super helpful things in the discerning process. Because if I don't really know what God's doing or have a clue, I'm not really sure what the church is and what the church is doing, and I haven't wrestled with some of the bigger questions, I might struggle in that discerning process of how do I fit into it. Because instead of asking how I fit into it, oftentimes it's just more kind of like, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? But thinking of these things, I think, helps us to frame it up at least a little bit better. Another thing that I've been considering and thinking about, and this is, some people might disagree with me on this one. Uh, I know in circles that I've been in the past, I would probably be that guy, I can't believe John said that. We'll take passages like Jeremiah 1.5 and we'll see them on memes and social media with beautiful landscapes or pretty flowers. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I pointed you a prophet to the nations. And then you read through the comments and everyone's like, God, oh, this is directly towards me. God's you know, speaking to me. And God can speak to us through the, the prophets and the way that he spoke to others. But here in this passage, this is a word to Jeremiah. And if God is speaking that to you, then I guess you're called to be a prophet to the nations as well, right? I hope I'm not sounding like Debbie Downer, but I'm just saying, like, like let's, when we read these things and we grab these things, let's look at them in their context and let's consider. Because another thing that I think that we are looking for, some of us, is this Saul on the road to Damascus moment. This idea that maybe we get from Jeremiah from all kinds of places, and this is where I'm unsure people will agree with me. This idea that we all have this specific vocation from God, that there is a specific calling from God for every one of us, and that God is going to, if we spend enough time and dedication, he's going to give us that. And while throughout Scripture we see that on the road to Damascus, God does call Paul, and he calls him to do a, a, a very difficult work. He calls Jeremiah, he calls prophets, he calls uh, people to be, you know, um, Saul to be king. Like, there's all kinds of things that, that happens, or places that happens. I'm personally not convinced that God has a perfect call and vocation for every single person, and if you don't hit it, he's going to whack you back into place. 
I'm just honest. Like, and I, a lot of, I, I don't see it in Scripture like that, that that's it. I believe, as we're going to talk today, that we have giftings and that we're all part of his kingdom if we're considering the grand story of things. But to become paralyzed and hyper-focused on, am I getting it? Am I getting my calling? I don't think the New Testament writers were super focused on that because calling had to do with a people, not a person. It had to do with the people of God and the kingdom of God and not individuals, though we are individuals inside of it. In fact, we'll get to 1 Corinthians 12 in just a second. I read through 1 Corinthians again this week, and I remember this passage, and I'm just, I'll just read it real quick. Uh, you know, Greg talked about the beginning kind of of 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, he's kind of midway through. Uh, read it in context, please. But he says, however that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God called you. All right. Oh, God called us. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Is Paul talking about a specific vocation or called into the kingdom, into following the Lord? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. This is really can you imagine Paul saying this, like um, some of the readers hearing what he has to say? Obviously, in the Corinthians church, there are some that are like, well, I don't, I, well, I don't need to be circumcised. Can I remove this? Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. That's strong. Even stronger, he says, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but obeying the commands of God is everything. Which if you want to, I want to noodle on that. That was a command of God. So I was, <laughs> like, that's, that's one of the Paul's things. Like, Paul? But that was a command. Anyways, um, let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. And then this section that has caused a lot of grief and challenge and s- struggle for a lot of people, I think they misunderstand what Paul's saying when they allow it to Uh, Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make the most of it. Or as N.T. Wright says in his kingdom uh, translation, seize it if you can receive your freedom. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord. Just as whoever was free when called is a slave belonging to Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of humans. In whatever condition you are called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. I think what Paul here is getting at is that there was, uh, at least in the Corinthians church and probably very applicable to today, there was a desire to change status. There was a thought of, if I'm a slave, there could, have, there could be a hyper-focus on getting freedom. Paul says, if you get the chance, grab it. On the flip side, there can be those who um, are free and focused and hyper-focused on their freedom. And Paul reminds them that they're a slave to Christ. I think what Paul's getting at is how do we embody the kingdom in the circumstances in which we are at as being the most important part of our calling into the body, into the kingdom of God. Not that we shouldn't seek other things, not that we can't 
change statuses necessarily, but that Paul is trying to get them to recognize that there is an embodiment that they can have right then and there in their circumstances. It reminds me of you know Mother Teresa's super famous saying where people would go to Calcutta and want to stay there and see all the horrible things that are taking place and the healing that uh, many were participating in and they wanted to stay in Calcutta and she would you know, say the famous saying, go find your own Calcutta. Like there are broken places all over the world. I bring this up because I have failed in this. I have failed personally in this idea of if I can only be this, then I'll be effective for the kingdom. If I can only get to this level, if I can only, I mean, for a number of years, I got the chance for five years to be in full-time ministry and basically do whatever I felt the Lord was leading me to do. I had a freedom that I have dreamed of experiencing for a number of years. And inside that freedom, I found that there were just as many challenges as outside that freedom. You, see, you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, I could be there. And I remember a couple things. A couple things majorly stood out. One is the lack of being around those who weren't part of his kingdom. Unbelievers, whatever you want to call. I was, I was in this building and that building, and I had to make myself go to bars, restaurants, wherever. And even that was a challenge because I wasn't often seeing the same people. And then I began to covet the former life that I had where I lived with others. And I went, you know, I, we did life together almost at work. You know, that's how it is. You're doing these things together. They can see your life. You can love them. You can build deep relationships. It just happened very naturally. On the flip side, I, uh, another thing, sorry, not on the flip side, on another thing was the fact that I was working with a lot of college students and I'm, they're having these questions like I'm you know, talking to today, and I'm counseling them to stay the course. And as you're doing so, try to listen to what God, your gifts are and some different things. And yet I'm modeling for them, get, raise donations and be free if you want to be, you know, be free if you want to be able to um, do ministry. And many of them, and this is why I'm kind of bringing this up, one of the reasons, many of them begin to discern that that's their call in their life too because they see it modeled. And all of them, none of them are doing that right now, (laughs) even though it was this kind of discernment. I bring these things up because as we think about the discerning the role, first of all, I think we would behoove us to take a breath if we're stressed out about this. If God wants to knock you down and tell you you're going to do this, he's going to do it. It doesn't mean that we don't listen. It doesn't mean that we don't position ourselves to be perceptive. But it does mean that instead of focusing on what could be or what hyper-focus, let me say hyper-focus on that, we position ourselves to embody the kingdom where we're at. And as we're embodying the kingdom where we're at, we're very we're listening. It's kind of like what we're doing here with Mitchell Nielsen. It's like what we've done here with the yard. 
It's that we are going to participate in what we see as God's mission. And as we participate in that mission, we're going to be paying attention to what's going on. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. This won't take too awful long, I don't think. I'm going to start in verse 4. I think a better question, I don't know if that's the right word, as we enter into this discernment process for us, if we're wondering what our roles are, is us discerning within a body the gifts that we have and using those gifts to serve. I'm going to go 1 Corinthians 12, 4. At the beginning, he's talk, he wants to tell them that he's going to relate, talk to them about spiritual things. And then in verse 4, he says, I was so afraid to use this passage, by the way, because it's like so used so many times, and I've used it more than once, but I just felt like it was the right one for this. So maybe I did poor discernment. I don't know. We'll see. There are different types of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are different types of service, but the same Lord. There are different types of activities, but the same God who operates all of them in everyone. <clears throat> so Paul mentions gifts, service, <clears throat> excuse me, and activities. So if we're thinking about the gifts that we have or what should we do, what type of service, what, kind of, what, what should we be doing, Paul's going to uh, remind us right off the bat here that it is God who operates through us. If we have a gift that's out in the open, that we could get a little arrogant about. God would, Paul might encourage us to be humbled and recognize that if you have that, it is from God. It is God's grace. If, on the other hand, we're someone who doesn't feel like we are very useful or unsure, I think this is a reminder that it's not you at work by yourself, but it's God at work in you. So how can we say God can't use me for something useful if it's his grace at work inside of us? I think that that can be a big encouragement. I probably need to tell myself that sometimes when I'm feeling inadequate. In fact, God often uses the vessels that appear weaker for the greatest accomplishments in his kingdom. So as we approach discerning, a recognition that in that process, we're recognizing God's work in each and every one of us. This is God's work. This is his grace in us. And then in verse 7, he says, the point of the Spirit being revealed, whoa, in each one of us. That's a strong, I'm going to tell you what the point is, Paul says, is so that all may benefit. To me, this is a reminder in that discernment process where we can become hyper-focused on looking at ourselves. And absolutely, there's a place where we just, we're looking at our gifts and stuff. It doesn't mean we don't. But if we could direct our attention to God and to others, I think that that puts us on a better track in the discernment process. I don't think, I know, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but I know that it puts us on a better track because Paul's clear that when the Spirit has been revealed to each one, 
your giftings and your role is not for you. It is for others. It is for the body of Christ. It is for this world. It's not for you. And I think the paradoxical thing about it, thinking back to Greg's sermon on cruciform, is when we lose ourselves, we actually find our true selves. (laughs) And we actually find the joy and the peace that comes with that. But it's the losing of the self that is so difficult to do. It's the gazing at Christ and gazing at his church and thinking about what my role is for that purpose, for, they, for them, that is so difficult because it's so easy to have tied up in this what I think I want. And I failed in that matter multiple times, I think, in my life. He goes on to say, one person is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, another a word of knowledge by the same Spirit, another faith through the same Spirit, another gifts of healing by one Spirit, another the working of mighty deeds, another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish spirits, another various kinds of languages, another the interpretation of tongues. It, it is one Spirit, the same one, whose work produces all these things, and the Spirit gives different gifts to each one according with the Spirit's own wishes. I'm reading from the Kingdom Translation, by the way. Um, I failed to mention that. If you're following along and going, that's not what he usually reads from. So very simply, we see, obviously, that each of us have different gifts. And as we're going to see here, it's vitally important that we play our roles. Let's continue. Let me explain, Paul says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body Though they are many, are one body, so also is the Messiah. We were all, we were all, for we all were baptized into one body by one spirit, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. When Paul talks about being members, he's not talking about a church membership. That, that word for member is like our members of our body, and that's what the Greek is. Going back to what Greg preached on a few weeks ago, Paul was not um, super excited about their dismemberment, (laughs) that graphic thought of that division that was causing dismember. So he is talking here about us. We are all members of his body. And I know we've heard it so many times, but that verse 13 is incredibly beautiful if we slow down. And if we approach this discernment process, of kind of what is my role, what am I supposed to do, and we meditated on this, we were all baptized into one body by one spirit, whether we're Jewish, whether we're Greeks or Americans or whatever, whether we're slaves or free, that's scandalous. We were all given one spirit to drink, whether you are wealthy or whether we're poor, whether we have high social status or low social status, whether society pushes us to the margins or embraces us fully, it doesn't matter. We are all one body in Messiah. Man, I don't know for me, that helps me shape where I fit in and recognizing we're all in this together. Whether it's, we're not just talking about Stones River, we're talking about believers globally across the world We are all one body. 
For the body indeed, this is verse 14, is not one member but many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body, would it? I mean, Paul says something very clear. You're part of the body. And if you're like, I don't really like what I am, it doesn't make you any less part of the body. That's pretty awesome, actually, to think about. And if the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body, would it? So for those of you who are out there, and I have been in this camp, and I am maybe jealous of some other roles, or uh, I've seen someone, uh, like recently I'm following this uh, lady on Instagram that is incredible at hospitality, and I am super jealous she is, she is embodying the kingdom in her neighborhood. People are over all the time. And, you know, Larissa, you'd love that, right? Like doing laundry together, doing like the, you know, real life together. And I'm sitting back going, yeah, man, she's awesome. And while I am convinced that I can learn to be more hospitable and grow from her, I do understand that that is not my strongest gift. And it's taken me 40 years, and probably I'll wrestle with this the rest of my life, to start to feel, start to feel comfortable <laughs> in that. And not to go, I'm going to be just like her now. I, I just get excited. Y'all know that, right? I'll read books, you know, and I'll hear some. I remember in my early 20s reading, you know, Wesley and George Whitfield, and I'm going to be one of those fiery preachers, you know. I was so fired up. I get all excited. Or I'll, you know, I could see... John or Greg and the way that they teach, and John's not here today, but you know, he's so good at, even at shepherds meetings, everyone's talking, and he just kind of discerns what's happening and what God is speaking through everybody, which is exactly what his last sermon was, right? Like literally, what have we been talking about? It's this, he's so good at that, and I could get up, man, I wish I was better, and again, I can learn and I can grow, but I'm not John King. I am not, at least this stage in my life, and probably never, going to speak in front of a bunch of scholars like Greg could do. Now, I could sit around and I can be encouraged to dive deeper and to dive deeper in the Word and to wrestle with theology, and I am, and I love that stuff. But I'm not on that same level of gifting, giftedness as he does, has. And in the past, I would let that drive me crazy if I did. Like, I would be like, no, I want to be like that. I recognize y'all that I speak to the average Joe, and I'm okay with it, because I'm an average Joe. <laughs> and I just, it's, it's so cool, but it's taken 40 years, that I actually feel comfortable in knowing what my primary giftings are, and I'm good with it. I'm not going to try to be something that I'm not. Again, that doesn't mean I'm complacent. That doesn't mean I don't grow. That just means I recognize what those gifts are. For some of us, that is a huge part of the discernment process because we will, if not, if we don't recognize this, we're going to discern that God has called us to things that we're not really gifted at or whether we use the word call, like we're going to go do this, we're going to go do that. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't participate because we're not particularly gifted. There are needs. I guess I could ramble on about that for a minute. But I've failed in that way as I try to discern what kind of role I'm playing in the body. We get the whole, he goes on to whole body, we're an eye, we're the hearing be, we're 
I'm going to move on to verse 21, and then we're going to end here in a minute. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Again, we're all part of the body. We can't say that we don't need. I mean, if we were all teachers, preachers, who, who would administrate this thing? I surely ain't good at it. That was, sounded really country of me, didn't it? I surely ain't good at it. It's, it's from selling in East Tennessee. Sorry, sidestep. I don't mean to, but I recognize I talk more country when I'm around people who talk more country. I do. And I'm like, and I'll, I'll recognize it, and I'll be like, wow. Why, why am, and like, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, maybe I need to talk, to talk to Ben or something, let him you know, help me out on that. The more time I spend in East Tennessee, the more I may kind of come out a little <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I've lost my place. Okay, so we can't say we have no need of each other. And the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. And we give greater honor to the parts of the body we reckon more dishonorable, so that the parts we hide in shame have far greater dignity, which our more presentable parts don't need. So what Paul is basically saying is, is that we have parts of our body that are more presentable, that there are some that you might envy. You might be like, man, that's a beautiful face. I wish I was that. There are other parts of the body that we hide because they are private parts, <laughs> I guess to say the, just to say it like it is. Can I tell you something? I don't really want to lose those parts. It just, that's just me. He's not, like there, Paul's saying those are very valuable, whether we're out front and we're charismatic and everyone's saying, oh wow, or super intelligent or knowledgeable and people are saying that, or we're in the background those parts are just as important. And I don't know about you, but I don't think any of us want to lose any of those. As we enter the discernment time, because I, I think, with, as I mentioned earlier, there will be times in our lives where this will be a more prominent question on our minds, I think, right? I think there are times whenever we're kind of grooving, but there are going to be those periods where we're like, okay, I'm feeling off. I'm not sure what my role is, whatever it may be. So even if this isn't today for you to really do a lot with, I think there will be a time in our lives where you're going to be like, hmm. But entering into this process focused on the Lord, our eyes set on others with the realization that we are part of a body, we do not enter this alone. We can, I guess, but that's not the way God designed it. God did not design us to enter into our callings. The calling is for the body, and we are parts of the body. So dialoguing with, wrestling with, praying with others is a given, maybe, for how we approach that. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that, I'll give you a for instance since Travis is here. I don't know if he remembers this or not. So we were, I think this was when we were talking about doing the church or something like that. I think I've told this story before, but I, am I getting that old to where now I'm doing reruns? But when you preach that many times, 
When you preach that many times, you don't know. It's probably been, how many sermons have I preached here? Goodness. Several hundred, maybe. Is that right? It actually probably is right. That's crazy, isn't it? Wow. You would think I'd be better at it by now. <laughs> Just kidding. But whenever we were, we were <clears throat> doing, talking about the church or something back then, you know, I've told you guys that I, music is a huge part of my life. Since I was 12, I picked up a bass guitar, and man, I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I'll tell you that much for a long time. God wrecked me in a good way, and I'm like, no, I'm following you, Lord. I'm going to do um, whatever you want me to do, all that kind of stuff. At one point, I'm wrestling with, you know, should I be a worship leader? And my buddy Travis, who is willing to tell me the truth, and I'm thankful that I'm in, I'm in this communion community together, goes, hey, bro, you're not a great singer, but you're pretty good at preaching, you should probably go towards that communication, that preaching part. And I remember it stung a little. Like, I'm like, dang. I mean, no one wants to be told. I mean, he didn't say you suck. I was, sorry, you stink really bad. Forgive me. I really am sorry. He didn't say that, but he's like, yeah, you're all right, dude. You're not that great. And I, after getting stung a little, was so grateful for that. Because he recognized that there was something God was gifted me in, and he was encouraging me into that. So, that's another lesson for us, that we can encourage others in their gifts. Now, don't encourage people. Look, sometimes we encourage people that don't need to be encouraged. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Larissa felt that in a special way. I ain't gonna lie, though. It's true. They ain't that good at something. Well, you... Man, sweetie, you are so talented in that. I'm sitting back going, are you serious? I really hope they don't pursue that because they're not that talented in that. <laughs> but in genuineness, that, we w- that if we could pick up this you know, reality of the body, encourage each other, do life together, as we're on the journey with God, obeying what he's already told us to do, embodying what we read in the scriptures, right? He's told us to do. As we're doing, open our hearts to that discernment, prayerfully, right? Conversationally, talking with one another, saying, ah, have you thought of this? I've thought of that. Together, I believe is the right way forward. Um, and I hope that that encourages somebody or someone's this morning who may be wrestling or at some point in time will wrestle with that. Uh, it took me a long time to get there, and who knows, maybe I'm still wrong. But worship team, if you all want to come forward, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that we're not on this journey alone, as Diane reminded us this morning. It's pretty rough out there, Lord. 